Okay, praise the living God. All right, we're going to start off by using our imaginations for a little bit this morning. And imagine two men that are stranded on the proverbial desert island. Okay, we always hear about the desert island. And both men are looking for water and are desperately hoping that the ship will come by to, to, uh, to bail them out, to rescue them pretty soon. But in the meantime, they realize that they have to have water. Okay, they know that they can go a little bit of time without food, but water on that hot desert island pretty soon would have them dehydrated, and ultimately they would wind up dying, of course, in this very hot environment. Without water, they know that they won't even be able to figure out how to get food, okay, and how to even build any kind of shelter. So what they decide to do is to split up and to go exploring the island to see where they can find water. Each man goes out and one goes to the east of the island the other one goes to the west and they both find water and they both drink and they come back to the appointed place and time at the point time and they confer with each other one says yes I found water on the east side the other says yes I found water on the west side so here we have two pools of water they say okay and the next morning the morning we'll, we'll uh, gather our things and we'll go to the pool together and we'll gather water to bring back here to the camp well, they couldn't, to decide, they couldn't decide which pool to go to, the east side or the west side. So they decide, okay, we'll split up. You go to your thing on the east, I'll go to my thing on the west, and we'll come back here and we'll you know, put our water together and pool it and so on like that. So they split up. After a while, they came back and they brought water with them. And as time progressed, the man that went to the eastern side of the pool of the water and drank from that pool he was doing fine and everything like that and he was looking forward to building the one that had gone to the west died the one that had partaken from the western pool died so when the rescuers showed up obviously the guy who had drinking from the, the from the good pool um, he said I don't know what happened he came back and he was drinking from the pool over there and so he died and when they analyzed the water they found that the water had been poisoned okay now here you had two men that had the same thing available to them. They both had water available to them. One chose to go one way and the other chose to go another. One chose to drink from the good water. The other one chose to drink from the bad water. The bad water, of course, they found up had been poisoned, had been tainted. So what does this little story have to do with us in our Christian walk today? Many times we as Christians are just like these two men on this fictitious island. Both pools of water were indeed water. They were both water. However, one was poisoned and the other one was not. One could give and sustain life. The other water only could take life. The poison that was being drank, drank out of that pool that was, was indeed poison, it couldn't be seen, couldn't be smelled, it couldn't be tasted or anything else. But yet still, it was there. Two waters, two different, two, two bodies of water, or two separate bodies of water, the same substance, but something in them was different. One was life-sustaining, the other one was poisonous. The poisonous one, of course, had destructive ingredients, which led to death. The water that was good, of course, had life-sustaining properties and qualities. Well, so it is with our faith. It's the same thing with our faith. We, when we have faith or strong belief in something, it means that we have an unyielding focus, a fixation, and a confidence in what our faith will bring to pass. Okay, I'll say that again. When we have faith or strong belief in something, it means that we have an unyielding focus, 
We're focusing on nothing else with a fixation and a confidence that our faith will bring things to pass in our lives. When that faith is based in Jesus Christ, of course, we are in essence drinking of healthy, life-sustaining water. When that faith becomes poisoned, it steers us away from victory and life and leads us to defeat and death. And what could be poisoning our faith? What could be poisoning your faith? Fear. Okay? So today's message is poisoned faith. And we're going to look at how indeed faith that is, is poisoned is indeed faith. Alright? It's faith, but it's been poisoned. So do we drink from the life-sustaining water, or do we drink from the waters that only bring death and destruction? According to scripture, God has not given us a spirit of fear, as you heard me say earlier in the prayer, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But when we allow fear to enter into our lives, it enters into our faith, okay? And then that faith becomes poisoned, all right? If you let fear enter into your life, into your life then that faith winds up becoming poisoned. The interesting thing about fear is that, is that that old spirit works in the same manner that faith does. Fear works the same way faith does. And you're saying, well, how could that be if there's fear and there's faith? How does it work the same? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. When one is operating in the spirit of fear, the focus is on the negative things of life. If you're operating in the spirit of fear, you're focusing on the negative things of life. You're focusing on the things that might happen. Your fixation is on the confidence and in the fact that things will go wrong. Okay, now you've heard of negative Nancys and people always, always find the bad side in life of things, you know, when something comes up. Well, if you stop and think about it, we all know someone that no matter what you say, they will find something bad to say about that. And they'll say that this is what's going to happen. You will find people that will say, are, um, you know, gee whiz, are, um, I, someone just blessed me with a, a whole crate of, water, of milk and left it on my doorstep. Oh, yeah, it's been poisoned. It's been sitting out there for six hours, and the sun probably did, you know. And, and, and they're always focusing on something in life will go wrong. Okay, okay? And that's the, kind, that's the kind of person that focuses on, surely enough, this is going to happen. Whereas we as Christians focus on that, surely enough, this positive thing is going to happen. God's going to bring me, bring me through it. God's going to take me through whatever it is. Okay? There is always the fear of the worst for the person that is doing nothing but having a, a fear-filled faith, if you will. This is the same process as God-type faith, but is not focusing on the promises of God, obviously, and doesn't hold on to the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ. All right? If you're a child of God and you're holding on to the Word of God, no way can you, can you uh, or you shouldn't, be walking around with a, a, uh, a fearful life, whereas that fear constantly comes in and contradicts what you believe, or what God says, it contradicts the Word of God. Now, now faith is faith, excuse me, faith is faith. Faith is faith. Satanic worshippers have faith. Okay? Devil worshippers, satanic worshippers, they also have faith. They believe in and are fixated on and they have confidence in the things of evil, of, evil and darkness. That's faith. Their faith is that the things of evil, the things of Satan, the things of occult practices, that this, is, this indeed will bring about that which they want to happen. So they have their faith. So again, faith is faith. It's, it's faith is where, wherever you have a strong conviction and a belief that things are going to happen. So the same way we can have positive and godly faith, there is also negative evil faith, okay, okay which has been poisoned. Occult practices are based in faith. The faith is in the belief that the rituals and demonic incantations will bring about the desired result. 
Okay? Now, you've, you've never seen a witch. I hope you haven't anything anywhere like that. But if you were to see a witch or someone conducting some sort of occultic practice and they're doing their praying and whatever it is that they're doing, you better believe. You don't think they don't believe that that's going to bring about results? Why would they be doing it? All right? When they're going through those occultic rituals and lighting the candles and spilling the chicken blood or whatever it is that they're doing, don't you think they have faith that this is going to bring about a result? Okay? So faith is faith, whether it's evil faith or whether it's God's faith. Okay? All right? So, so if fear is faith that has been poisoned, how does this poison get introduced into our water of faith? Okay? If your faith gets poisoned... How, and, and fear is that poison, then how does it get there? How does it get introduced? An agent that is odorless, tasteless, and is very subtle introduces that poison, and it often goes unnoticed. The agent that introduces that fear is that old spirit of doubt. Okay? It's tasteless, it's odorless, you don't even know when he's coming up on you. Okay? Okay? It's not like he knocks on the door. It says at 3 o'clock I'm going to be there to present myself. All right? The same way these two guys on that, on that island looking for the water. Okay? The one that found the water that was bad, when he looked at it and smelled it and tasted it, there was no indication that there was poison in it. He didn't even know that it was bad. But after he partook of it enough and after he drank it enough, it killed him. Okay? So the agent that introduces or the thing that introduces um, um, poison into your faith, okay, is, is fear, but the agent that brings it in is that old spirit of doubt. Alright? So how, how does it get there? Okay? Satan uses doubt to impregnate our waters of faith, uh, of faith uh, with, by using fear. He does this simply by planting a thought to make us doubt the validity of God's word. Alright? That's the easiest way to do it. And you stop and you think to yourself that when something comes into your life, when you're getting a fearful feeling about something, or there's, there's an anxiety, there's an anxiousness there, there, okay? Whether you realize it or not, that fear or the anxiety that you're feeling is because you're doubting. You're not trusting God, you see? But at the, the interesting thing is, though, at that point in time, when that anxiety hits you and that fear hits you, your mind does not say to you, there's a spirit of doubt there, Okay? It's very subtle. It's very quiet. It's tasteless. It's odorless. Just like the poison in that man's water. Amen? So if we go to Genesis 3, 1 to 6, we've been there many times. Let's go to Genesis 3. We're going to read verses 1 to 6. Okay? And as you're, as you're turning there, um, uh, the, 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 thing with, the thing with poisoned faith is at the time that your faith has been poisoned or is being poisoned, you don't know it. That's the point that I really want to drive home today. That your faith, at the time that it's being poisoned, you don't realize it. It's odorless and it's tasteless. Chapter 3. Genesis 1. Sorry, chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, I should say. Now the serpent was more subtle. Okay, there's that word, word subtle. Subtle means not in your face. Okay, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, he shall, uh, Ye shall not eat every tree of the garden? Okay, now let's just pause there for a moment. The serpent who was very subtle than any beast of the field. Um, the word of God here refer, refers to the, uh, to the word serpent or, or snake. Um, 
there's every indication from reading scripture that Eve, when she saw this animal or the serpent, felt no threat by it. Okay, because at that point, there's nothing threatening about the snake or about the serpent. It wasn't until later on after the curse was he on his ground, on his belly. So at that point, she saw this animal called the serpent, and then the devil, Satan, used that animal, okay, to communicate with. So again, you see the devil is being very subtle and, 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 and very wily, okay, using something that is familiar to you. All right. You see, so in our lives as Christians, many times, you know, that doubt or, 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 or the, the fear or anything the devil wants to use will not be used by something that is foreign to us necessarily. And certainly wouldn't be something that's frightful to us, because if it was, we'd run the other way. We wouldn't even spend any time occupying a thought about whatever the devil is presenting to us. All right. But it will come to you in a very subtle manner. It's tasteless. It's odorless. Okay? So it says here that he appeared, and he said, uh, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, uh, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. You see? So there he is telling the lie. All right? So, you've got this thing in your life that's going on, and you're praying about it, and you see a success point for this thing you're praying about, or this person you're praying for. And then with that spirit of doubt, so now, you know, in the meantime, you're believing God, okay, because God says that he'll provide every need. God says he hears and he answers your prayers, and so you're holding on to that. But then all of a sudden, that spirit of doubt, in a very subtle way, comes in and says... But is God going to do that for you? Where were you last night? What were you thinking last night? Who were you with yesterday? You know? You didn't read the Bible last night. You didn't pray last night. So surely what you're praying for, that word of God does not apply to you. Okay? Wilt you surely die? All right? She knows what God told her. You know what God told you. All right? So don't let your faith all of a sudden now that this poison in a subtle, devious kind of way get planted into your spirit. You shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Okay? So the sin was committed. And of course, Adam being the wimp that he was, when God questioned, Oh, I didn't do it. The woman made me do it. You know? You see? You see? So the woman was the one that was deceived. Adam wasn't deceived. He simply followed behind the woman. Okay, Eve was the one that was deceived. Okay, so you see, so that subtle, that subtle spirit, that doubt got put in, got put in her. Satan poisoned the garden by planting doubt. He used deception to get Eve to sin. Satan will use that same deception with us to poison our faith water if we let him. Okay, again, because he's very, very subtle. If he can get us to disbelieve or doubt the word of God, then fear takes over. Okay? And when that fear takes over, it comes with it. Fear is the strong man. You know, you talk about the, the hierarchy of demonic powers. Fear is the, is the strong man. 
under him there's a spirit of anxiety, okay, a spirit of worry, spirit of stress, and all those other things that come under, you know, that wind up giving you palpitations and, 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 and arrhythmia in the heart and everything else that has winds up having physical manifestations because you, because you let that spirit take control. Amen? So that spirit of fear comes in. He brings all of his cronies with him. Next thing you know, that thing that you're praying about, that person that you're praying for, and the, word of, the words of God that you've hung on to as being able to bring you through, all of a sudden now become questions to you. Okay? Becomes questions, you know? See? And the interesting thing about it is that you don't realize why, you know, you're getting up and you're going to work or you're going to school or wherever in the neighborhood, whatever it is that you've got to do, you know, and, and you're just feeling all jittery and you, you don't know why, you know, you're just feeling kind of out of sorts, you know, you say, oh, gee, maybe I need a Starbucks visit and you go by Starbucks and <laughs> that makes it worse because now you're downing the caffeine, you know, but all of a sudden, though, you're just feeling this and you don't know that what's wrong is that your spirit is being slowly poisoned. You see, because this spirit of doubt has opened the, opened the way for a spirit of fear and for a spirit of anxiety. Okay? Then all of a sudden what you start doing, then when you're sitting down drinking that cup of coffee and you're trying to calm yourself down, then, the, then you start rehearsing in your mind that thing you've been praying for, the person you've been praying about, whatever it is that's going, you're sitting there and you're thinking about it, then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, this is never going to work. They're not going to call me. They're not going to make that offer. You know, I'm not going to be able to complete that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. The next thing you know, you're confessing, you're confessing the negativity and the things that are not going to happen. So all of a sudden your positive faith in God has shifted to a poisoned faith. Because your faith has become poisoned. You still have faith? Oh yeah, you got faith. Matter of fact, you may happen to run across a sister or a brother, you know, from church in the coffee shop there. And they, oh, how you doing? They do, oh, well, I'm believing for so and so. Oh, yeah, you got faith? Yeah, I got faith. But in the meantime, what kind of faith do you have? You've got that poison faith. Because just while you're telling this other Christian, I've got faith, deep inside, your spirit is churning because you're worried about all of a sudden these things not happening. As a matter of fact, if you let it go long enough, you're sure they're not going to happen. So now you've got the faith in the negative. You've got the faith in the poison side of it. Okay? He, Satan, will mix doubt and insecurity. And, 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 it, and as it becomes fear, it then stirs the fear into your faith until it becomes poison. The faith that was once God-focused now becomes a faith that is focused on your defeat, destruction, and failure. Fear is indeed faith that has been poisoned. You know, and if you walk away from nothing, with nothing today, remember that. That fear is nothing but faith that has been poisoned. So, if all of a sudden, in other words, if you're losing faith for something, and if you're not sure that what God has promised you or what God says in His Word is indeed true, then you need to stop and think here, oh gee, am I drinking poison all of a sudden? Is my faith beginning to get poisoned? And if it is indeed getting poisoned, then where's that agent? Where, where is the source? Where is it coming from? And then remember that. The poisoning of your faith is coming from fear, which is being driven by doubt. Being driven by doubt in God. Amen? Amen? Doubt will open, open tremendous doors. Tremendous doors. You know? And God has shown many of us over and over and over again that when, he, when we have faith in Him, that God will wind up putting two people together to bring about an action, which will, which will later on blow your mind. Two people having a need, you know, independent of one another, don't even know each other. And God will bring the two of you together to show you that faith in Him, faith in Him, faith in Him will make things indeed in your life happen. Okay? And God gives us little tidbits like this throughout our lives to just show us that what His Word is saying is indeed true. 
You see? But how many times do we let these things go over our head? And just chalk it up to a coincidence. For a Christian, there's no such thing as coincidence. I do not believe in coincidence at all. God's very much in charge of my life, and God is very much in charge of your life. If there's a need, God has a way of making things work for you. God has a way of making things, the ends meet. Amen? Amen? So we have to choose whether or not we want to let our faith be poisoned. Okay? Everything in our Christian walk is about choices. Everything. Everything. Okay? God didn't force you to come to Him. God didn't force Jesus to go to the cross. Okay? It's all about choices. God did not force a third of the angelic hosts to decide to follow Satan. It's always all about choices. Okay? Do you choose to, 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 to drink of life-sustaining water? Or are you going to choose to drink of the poisoned water? Let your faith be poisoned. Strong fear can become your faith because you always expect things to go wrong. You end up having faith that things will always go wrong for you. And again, I have to say, like I said a few moments ago, how many people do you know that are like that? No matter what things that you say, you know, two plus two equals four. Yeah, but only if you got another two. You know, something as dumb as that. You, 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 okay? But, but, but I've heard people say things equally stupid as that when it comes down to having faith in something. You know, they will totally just contradict or bring up some reason to make you doubt the same way the devil did to Eve in the garden. So in a sense, fear is poisoned faith. We need to choose. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You know, and the thing about it, when you stop and really think it through, and kind of do a little reflection on your own past life over the last week, two weeks, maybe a month, you know? How many things have happened in your life that you've had second thoughts about? That you've had some concern that it's not going to happen or it's not going to work, you know? And the thing about it is that the thing that you want and desire the most those are the ones that the devil really poisons. That thing that you're really praying for, you know, like it's something, you know, FedEx is going to deliver this package through the door and you're so excited about it, you know, something you really, really want it, you know. The devil will put that and you're praying, oh Lord, let it come on time because I want it, you know. And the devil says, the FedEx truck is going to break down. Everything on it's going to be stolen and you'll never see it. You know, and you start dwelling on that, you know. Now, I'm using a very simplistic example, but you stop and think about it. You all know your lives better than I, you know. Think about what has gone on in your life, something that you really, really wanted, something that you really, really prayed about. And there's been something in there, something in there that, had, that made you doubt or tried to make you doubt whether or not it was going to happen. Okay? Okay? You see? And the problem with that whole lifestyle, if you will, that many Christians get caught up in, is that when you start looking at that negative side and you start believing the doubt that Satan is planting in your mind, okay, and your faith becomes so poisoned that that is your faith, that something is going to go wrong, 
But because you're thinking it, and you're confessing it in your spirit, in your mind, it happens. It goes wrong. It goes wrong. Okay? Not because God deserted you. It's because your faith in God was teetering. Double-minded. What does the word of God say? Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Okay? So if you can't stay single-minded and focus on the faith in God, that that thing that you're desiring indeed will come to pass, and then when it goes wrong, okay, then what happens is that then Satan and his minions, they whisper in your ear, see, I told you it wasn't going to happen. You see? See, I told you. So then your poison faith then gets bolstered. Your poison faith is positively, if you can say positively, your poison faith becomes positively reinforced because it's adding more on to it. Not that it's positive and that it's a good thing, but I'm saying it's, it's added on to. Okay? So therefore, the, thereby, the next thing that happens is that as you go through life, the things that you're praying for and that you're hoping for, it's more and more um, uh, common and easier for you to start doubting that it's going to happen. Okay? And then each time around, your negative, your poison faith becomes true. So then you're going further and further and further this way. Where all of a sudden for you to believe in God and saying that that impossible thing will happen because with God nothing is impossible, it's so hard for you to follow. Okay? Because now you've got to drag yourself all the way over from here because for all of these months, days, years maybe, if you let yourself stay in it long enough, all these negative things have been happening that now your faith is stronger in the negative side. You follow what I'm saying? Okay? Your faith has been reaffirmed and confirmed that, 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 that these things are not going to happen for you like God says. And so that's where your faith is strongest then. You know? Your faith is so poisoned that now you don't even see it as poisoned faith. Because that's where you are. Right? Trying to get back over here to this side where God is. The life-sustaining faith takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. Right? God can get you there. God can get you there. But it, it, it means that you have to be totally cognizant of the fact that that water that you're drinking, it's got poison in it. Okay? Okay? Alright? Okay? Okay. So that you can get to the point that you taste the poison. Whereas before you couldn't taste it when you were drinking that poison. But you get to the point that you can taste that water. How do you taste it? You taste it spiritually with your spirit and that you see that spirit of doubt and that spirit of fear down in that pool of water. You see him there. So therefore, you don't drink of it. Okay? When you can't see it and recognize that he's there, you go on and you drink it and you're just lapping this stuff up and you're just, 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 just wallowing in it. And that's where you get totally drowned. Alright? Whereas you turn back to God, God will make you aware of through, through discernment. Okay? That that thought that the devil's trying to put in my mind, that's a lie. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that thought. Get out of my head. I choose not entertain that thought. God said that all things belong to him. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. So therefore, I'm his son. I'm his daughter. Therefore, God will give to me. I'm going to drink of that positive water. I'm not going to listen to that poison from over there. Okay? But it's your choice. It's your choice. You see? Okay? And something, something that you have to consciously do by an act of your will. God's not going to violate your will. He's not going to zap you all of a sudden and make you just start following him and start believing. You have to make a conscious decision. Okay? Okay? And this is the time that you push it down from your mind down to your spirit. 
where your spirit then starts making the decisions to influence your mind. See, when you're caught up in that negative thing here with the, with the doubt and the fear and whatnot, that's your mind that's governing your spirit instead of your spirit governing your, your mind, telling your mind what to believe. Okay, okay, all right, all right. When them negative thoughts, and, I, and I'm like, I'm just like everyone sitting in the sanctuary. I'm no different. You don't think the devil doesn't try to put those thoughts in my head? Okay, and I submit to you, he trusts me, he, he, he attacks me quadruple the time he attacks you because he'd love to shut me up. <laughs> he loves it, which he's not going to do. Amen? And so, oh yeah, I, I get with the doubts, but the thing is, though, I recognize, I recognize that poison. I can smell it, I can taste it and see it with my spirit. And therefore, I do not entertain it. I don't let myself go there. So you've got to make the choice. Okay? Chapter 8, starting with verse number um, 12. Romans 8, verse number 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh or worldly things, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now there where it says fear again, that's including anxiety, stress, worry, you know, fear of man. You know, I know some Christians that have a fear of people. You don't fear your boss. You respect your boss. For who he is, he's got some authority over, but you don't fear him. Amen. Amen. In verse number 16, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And as children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we, we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which you shall, which shall be revealed in us. Amen. You know, that this time that we're living here on this earth is but a, it's a drop in the bucket compared to, to eternity. You know, and look ahead to what you have to look forward to with God in heaven for an eternity to come. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits, waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Please underline that if you don't already have it underlined. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? Okay? We're saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. So if you're the kind of person almost like doubting Thomas, I'll believe it's Jesus when I can touch him, when I can put my, my, finger, print my fingers in his wounds, then, you know, that's, that's not having faith, okay? Because he's looking for something that he can see. He goes on to say, but if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for us. In other words, that's having true faith. Truth is truth. The true faith is, is, is having hope for and believing for something that is not readily uh, uh, um, uh, visible to you. Okay, something that you have no physical um, uh, physical evidence of. Okay, God said that He can do this. God said He can give me that job. God said He can do this. He can do that. Whatever it is that you're praying for, God says that He can do it. There's no visible evidence of that happening. 
Okay, if someone was to say, say, say to you, show me something that I can touch and feel and smell, that that's going to happen, that's not how it works with God, you see. And the devil will use that thought if you start thinking, oh gee, what evidence do I see of it? God, the, the Satan will use that then to start planting that fear and that doubt. See, there's nothing you can touch, taste, smell, or hear. So how do you know God's working on that for you? How do you know that God has already done it? Amen. Verse 25, uh, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Okay, so while you may not know what to pray for, the Spirit of God does. And he that searches the hearts knows that knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This is where praying in tongues comes in so, comes so in handy. Comes so much in handy, you know, because you don't have to be thinking about who or what I'm going to pray for. The Spirit of God that's in you knows what to pray for, and he knows how to pray to God for that. Amen? Amen. You don't have to go through your laundry list. It's your Aunt Tilly, Uncle Jack, Uncle, you know, and on down the line. Amen? 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the, who are the called according to his purpose. Please highlight all of that if you don't have it already highlighted. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Okay? Now you've been called according to God's purpose whether you realize that or not. Yes, at some point in life you made a decision to come to the Lord. Yes, you decided to, decided to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But he has a purpose for your life. Okay? And all things work together for good for those that love him. So how could that get poisoned? That statement? Very, very simply. Devil whisper in your ear, yeah, but God doesn't love you. Or you don't love God. So therefore he doesn't love you. He'll take the scripture and he'll twist it all around. All things work together for good for those that love God. Amen? Well, you don't really love him. What do you mean, mind? Actually, you're saying, what do you mean, Satan? Well, remember the thoughts that you had last week? Remember what you did? How could you love God and do that? Remember when you had the opportunity to say something and you didn't? You don't really love God, okay? So the devil starts putting you on this guilt trip. So then all of a sudden you wind up totally negating that scripture. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All of a sudden if you start doubting that you love God, then that means you start doubting that things will work together for good for you. So then all of a sudden you start thinking, well, now it's going to work badly for me. It's going to be negatively for me. Because now you've, you've negated, you've doubted the word of God. Same thing he did in the garden. All right? I wrote an article once, and I think I did a couple of sermons on it over the years and everything. Um, uh, what was what, what it? Um, uh, old spirits, new clothing. Remember that, Kathy? Old spirits, new clothing. There's no new spirits on this planet. Same spirits that are here have been here since the beginning of, of who knows what. There's no, you know, God hasn't created bad new spirits or anything else. It's the same old spirits, but they present themselves in new clothing. New styles, new fashions, things that are, 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 are popular today. It's the same old spirit behind it, Okay. So the same way, you know, what, what Satan did with God, with the, uh, Eve in the garden, he does the same thing to you. He uses that spirit of doubt. You don't really love God, so how could this thing work out good for you? And then because of the fact that you are, are confessing this and you're starting to believe it, then surely enough that thing that you're praying about does not work for you. 
and does not happen. Okay? Because you've let yourself be, uh, get pulled away. Amen? Amen? Uh, so in closing out these few verses here in 29, uh, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn uh, among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Please underline that. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? So there's another scripture for you to hold on to. And don't let that devil steal that away from you. Don't let him poison your faith by putting doubt in your mind that says, uh, if God be for us, who can be against us? Well, you know, based on the fact that you don't really love God, then how can God be for you? And so if God is not for you, that means everything can be against you. You see? So he'll get you to start twisting that around in your mind. Next thing you know, you are negatively developing this negative faith or poison faith. Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? There's another spiritual truth. Underline it. Hold on to that. Amen? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Um, It is God that justifies. Who is he um, that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who who makes intercession for us. There's another thing for you to believe, that Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for you. You know? Okay? When the devil's accusing, you know, what, what does his name really mean? Accuser of the brethren. Okay? Jesus is there speaking on your behalf. 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Underline or highlight that whole verse. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword. Okay? That thing that you're worrying about, that person that you're worrying about, okay? That can't separate you from from God. Okay? From the love of Christ. Alright? But if you're drinking of that poisoned water, and you're letting your faith get poisoned, you totally forget about that scripture. Okay? Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I've, I've been there. When something really, really troublesome gets in your mind, that's not necessarily the first scripture that pops in your mind. Who can separate me from the love of Christ? Okay? And, 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 and many of you, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, um, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay? Highlight or underline or put a bracket around all of those scriptures. Amen? Because when that spirit of doubt, that spirit of fear comes into your life to try and pull you away from God, to make you start worrying, to poison your faith, remember that scripture. Remember it. Okay? Remember it. You see? And, and, and if you can put brakes on that process, you put brakes on it, and you, and you tell that devil to get out of your head, To get out of my mind, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Spirit of fear and recite the scripture. Spirit of doubt, anxiety, stress, worry. I rebuke you all. I am a child of God. Jesus loves me. Nothing can separate me from that fact. And I do love the Lord. 
God loves me, most importantly, unconditionally. God doesn't have conditions tied to his love, thanks God, thank God. He loves us no matter what. Okay? No matter what. That's agape love. Unconditionally. You know, we human beings, you know, we, we, we struggle with that. And I don't care how much of a Christian that you are. Oh, Pastor Cobb, how could you say that? It's the truth. Okay? That sometimes there are people in your life that's hard for you to love. You know, let's be honest. Let's be real about it. Amen? But God loves us unconditionally. You know, it's very easy for us to love somebody that's nice to us. That's kind to us. That pays you confidence. Oh, I love your suit. I love your dress. Even though it's the ugliest thing in the world, but they say it anyway. Okay, I love your outfit. I love this. I love, oh, it's so good seeing you. You know, after you caught them trying to cross the street, you know, to get away from you. Oh, it's so great seeing you. <laughs> you know, you know. After they, after they saw you looking, then they decided to come back over, you know. It, it's hard for us to love everybody. Let's, let's, be, let's be real, you know. We're not so Christian that all of a sudden, you know. But it's something that we as Christians should work on. Amen? You know, and that love also means having patience. Having patience with people is hard to do. It's easy to be patient with someone who's always patient with you. Amen? But God loves us with all of our ugliness. I'm a Christian. I'm not ugly. I ain't got no ugliness. Oh, come on. You know, come on. We're all trying our best. Okay? But none of us are perfect. Okay? God's the only one that is perfect. We're, we're, we're all in a Christian walk. We're all at various levels and degrees of our Christian walks. But none of us are perfect. So we, we, we struggle with these things. Let's be real. Amen. But we've got the word of God here, though, to bolster us. Okay? Because what the devil tries to do is now these very, these very words that I've said, you know, don't let the devil seize these words and replay them back to you. You know, when I say that we're all struggling, you know, don't let the devil seize those words and start playing them back to you now so all of a sudden you'll start faltering. Okay? What that should do is bolster you to even try harder. Okay? I love the Lord. The Lord loves me. Okay? And I'm going to make every effort I can to love those that don't necessarily love me. Okay? Because, again, it's easy to love somebody that treats you nice. Amen? Love someone when they don't treat you nice or when they're being mean to you. Okay? That's a true test, a true test of your faith. Your faith. So then in Deuteronomy, and then we're going to close. We're going to close. Okay? Because we're talking about choices here. Book of Deuteronomy 31. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, 31, and we're just going to start with verse number 1. We'll read a few scriptures here and then close. And Moses went, 31 verse 1, And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I am 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord hath said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee. And he will destroy these nations from before thee. Please underline. And he will destroy these nations from before thee. Underline that. And thou shalt possess, possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said. All right. So what God is saying to you through these, this verse here in verse number 3, the Lord thy God, he will go before you, and he will destroy those nations from before you. Okay. What God is saying to you all this day, 
While we do not have nations that are opposing us, there are things in our lives that are opposing us. There may be people in our lives that are opposing us. There may be situations or things in our lives that are giving us a hard time. God is saying through this word that he will go and destroy those things from before you. So that people, people, situations, things that are in opposition to you, God will take care of those things. God can remove them. God can eliminate them. Okay? Your choice is to believe that. Alright? He goes on to say, in verse number 4, And the Lord shall do unto them as he did to Sihon and to Og, kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that you may do unto them according unto all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong, be strong, be strong, and of a good courage. Please underline. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, it, he it is that goes with you. He will not fail you, nor forsake you. Please highlight all of verse number 6 if you don't already have it on the line. Again, I say to you today, if you've got things going on in your life, issues that you're concerned about, things that are, are, are before you, things that are challenging you, I say to you today, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them or the situations. For the Lord thy God, he it is that goes with you. He will not fail you, nor will he forsake you. Take that word and receive it for you today, personally, for whatever may be happening in your life. Verse 7, And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto them, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of a good courage, for, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he, shall, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Fear not, neither be dismayed. So we have a choice today. Try to believe the word of God, what he's saying here. You know, and don't just read the word of God or listen to me standing up here saying it. But incorporate these words deep within your spirit to the point that you actually believe it. So that when those things in your life start coming against you, you don't let your, uh, your faith water become poisoned by doubt and by fear. That these words don't mean anything. You know? You know? Put some of these scriptures on a yellow post-it. Stick them. Put it on your mirror. Put it on your refrigerator so that these words can come back to you to remind you that God is indeed with you. Okay? Because again, that, that, that poisonous agent, that doubt, that fear, is tasteless, is odorless. You can't smell it, you can't taste it. When Satan tries to plant doubt and fear in your mind, literally rebuke that thought or feeling in the name of Jesus. You know? And you don't have to, have to know which particular you know, demonic spirit is, is, is uh, responsible for that thought. Simply say, because you know, otherwise you'd have to remember the entire list, but simply say in the name of Jesus, I bind up that thought of failure. In the name of Jesus, I bind up that thought of things not starting when, when I'm supposed to. I bind up that thought of not having a good plane trip. In the name of Jesus, I bind, I bind, I bind. Whatever that thing is, you bind it up and you cast it out of your mind right away. Remember that God has not given you a spirit of fear. Okay, fear is of the devil. Don't focus on all that could go wrong, but focus on, on all that will go right based on the word of God. Okay, Alrighty? and you don't have to understand it. You don't have to understand, you know, why it's going to go right, and you may not be able to remember the exact scripture, but just know that I'm a child of God. 
Okay? And with God, nothing is impossible. So if I'm his God, I'm, I'm his child, and what I'm asking and praying for is in line with his will, is in line with his word, because that's his, that's his will, amen, then these things will indeed come to pass. I relax and I give it to God. Okay? And don't try to understand it. Just trust what God is saying here, okay? Because many times when you get in there and try to understand it, you know, when we try and rationalize and figure things out with our little puny human minds, you know, we wind up drawing all of the wrong conclusions. The conclusions that we draw are not based on the Word of God, you know? You know, you know they're based on they're based on on, on our feelings sometimes. You know, <laughs> Jesse Duplantis real quickly had me chuckling this morning where where he was talking about you know we should do what God tells us to do and so on and and he says God says to God says to love your neighbor. He says in myself I say no I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, and he wants because God will tell us one thing, but then instinctively inside here it winds up like no I don't want to do that. And then he went on to say that however I do love my neighbor. They're great people. They've been with me next to me. 18 years he said and when they first moved in my wife and I took over a plate of cookies and gave it to him and then he says come and think of it Kathy we haven't seen them since must have been wrong. something must have been wrong with those cookies yet they haven't been back and he says but I do need to try to love you see so sometimes what God says to us to do according to the word our humanity rises up and we may not want to do it amen but we can't go by what we think is right we have to go by what the word of God says okay it was the same way Jesse, Jesse Duplantis jokingly was saying that, you know, in other areas, the devil will say, see, you don't want to love that neighbor. These are the reasons why you shouldn't. And will take you down a path where all of a sudden now your faith or your belief in God's word gets totally poisoned and totally, totally set aside. Amen. So the, so the words here is, you know, today are to guard your waters of faith so that there are no opportunities for your faith to become poisoned. Okay. Just guard it. Don't give any opportunities, you know. I and mean, when all of a sudden you're feeling a little antsy, itchy about something, remember that there's something else that's going on here that has me feeling like that. And it could be that poison that the devil's trying to plant into your waters of faith. Amen? Amen? Praise God. I hope that this message has been a blessing to you. And I, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.